podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Raptor podcast that celebrates the champions of Europe. It is the first one that we've done um, since Liverpool went to Madrid and beat Tottenham Hotspur by two goals to nil to lift their sixth European Cup. That is absolutely loads of European Cups. It's more than most of the football teams. It's more than the rest of England combined. The Reds have proven once again that they are the greatest team, the greatest football club on the planet. Saturday night was the best of our lives. What a week it's been on this bus that we're travelling on. We're nearly at the uh, Calais border going back to England now whatever you did for it on Saturday whether you were in the ground whether you were in the city of Madrid whether you were back in Liverpool or somewhere else around the globe I hope you had an absolute ball and I hope that the thrill the exhilaration the joy hasn't left you yet and that it lasts for the next few days weeks months and just never ever stops as you support this weird and wonderful football team uh, the show is as ever in association with Redsbet they are a gambling company with a difference in the uh, half of their lo- half of your losing bets that is to say their profits uh, go to fan causes you can go on there and if you make an account uh, you can vote on which fan causes you would like uh, your losses to go to uh, as, as I say though only make sure to do that if you are already a gambler if you're already that way inclined and if you are going to gamble with anybody quite frankly um, always make sure to do so in a way which is safe and responsible uh, I'm going to be joined by a cast of many um, on this bus as we as we talk about the game over the next sort of 45 minutes to an hour for part one I've got with me Josh Exton Ian Ryan and Tim O'Tini and Tim O. 50,000 people went to Madrid, yeah. all dressed in red, and they're coming back with a big shiny silver thing. What a weekend this has been. It's been brilliant. It's been up there with the best for me, personally. Had a lovely time last night, had a lovely time in Madrid. Um, just saw loads of people who, who, were, who were now and just hugged them and shed tears with them. And just uh, like, you know, as I was saying there, like it's, it's like emotionally swallowed me up. I probably won't even come to terms with until I'm nearly home. Um, been watching the videos on the internet all day, the homecoming. Um, just looks like looks amazing, you know, and it was amazing. You know, and it's great that Liverpool are again champions of Europe, you know, where they deserve to be. I think. Josh. Liverpool are the best team in the world, I think. They've done a 97 point season just just come up short in the Premier League because there are another gang of superhumans kicking a footy about just down the road unfortunately but they've done that and won this this season from 3-0 down in a second leg against Barcelona the self-determination of this group of footballers the tactical knowledge and brilliance of the manager combined with their ability and also the influence of all the lunatics who've been going the game this season, whether they were in the ground the other night, whether they were on field for one game in the group stage, whether they went to the parade, every single person has had a massive influence on this and it feels like a perfect coming together of, of everyone who's involved with the club and then to be able to revel in it, it's just perfect, isn't it? And it feels like it's, it's what this group of players have deserved as well. You know, you mentioned the 97 points, that, that in any other Premier League season pretty much guarantees you a league title. Liverpool a few weeks ago, we, we you know we were all sort of staring into the abyss. I remember being sat in the new camp and just thinking that I felt like this this season was over. I, I, I can't remember at that point whether the company has scored its goal or not, but I, I sort of expected City to win their remaining games anyway. Um, and Barcelona had obviously beaten us three 0 in the first leg, which felt like a, a sort of insurmountable lead to to get back for Liverpool. But but they did, and you know that's that's a night that we'll have in history. Probably one of the best nights that Anfield has ever seen, and, and we were there to witness it. And then. We were there again in Madrid to watch them lift the sixth European Cup and that, that for me is just it's an indescribable feeling following this football team because I followed this football team through some quite frankly rubbish, rubbish times. I've watched some rubbish, rubbish managers and some rubbish, rubbish players and there's not a single one of these players that I think is on that level and I think this manager is, is, is one of the best managers, if not the best manager in world football and I think that probably, as you say, makes Liverpool the best team in world football. Ian? Remember when we were asked about the Premier League? Remember when we thought that that was the be-all and end-all? What a gang of gobshites we are, like, fucking hell. Nothing beats that the other night, nothing beats turning up to a foreign city, putting your stamp on something, taking home the biggest and most aesthetically pleasing trophy in the game and going, fucking after. this is what we are, this is what we're about. That is the pinnacle, that is the ultimate that you can do as a football supporter, isn't it? It's simply the greatest trophy you can claim in the game and I think there's a there's, there's a mystique uh, there's a glamour to it and yes you mentioned the, the, the kind of title there then and obviously it was important to us because we know why all the reasons about you know not winning for so long etc but actually the European Cup there is just something so so special about it and personally I take 
a huge sense of pride in, in what this club's done because Josh alludes to it there, you think it's dead buried a couple of weeks ago, you think it's done, you think it's finished, the season will end on a really kind of disappointing note, but these lads weren't to be stopped, the manager wasn't to be stopped, there's an absolute drive in these players that you don't see very often in football teams and a lot of that will come from the manager. Um, I mean, some of the scenes that we've kind of seen just go back, you know, the pictures or the parade, it starts to, to bring it to life a little bit because I think it's still hard to realise what this club's done this season. It's hard for it to, to sink in and it's taken a day or two, to be honest. But those pictures of the parade and stuff, they do bring it a little bit more to life. And it, I mean, some of the photos, it's reminiscent of something you'd see in South America, for instance, where it just looks like absolute carnage. There's flares going off, there's bodies everywhere. People are climbing on things just to get a better look. And we have a go at social media sometimes, and rightly so. Um, but this is when it comes into its own. This is when it's brilliant. This is when it's absolutely perfect and ideal because we get to see those players, that manager, this football club, absolutely relish being European champions for the sixth time. Tim, I don't think anyone else does this quite like us. Um, and I don't mean just winning the trophies. Well, on this bus for 20 well there's that. <laughs> um, we are a very unique group of ten or so psychopaths. Yeah. Um, but generally, no one does this quite like Liverpool. And I don't just mean the way that they play and the fact that they win the trophies. I mean, the atmosphere in the ground, the fact that 50,000, 60,000 people turn up to a fan park, the fact that 750,000 more people than live in Liverpool and the surrounding areas turn up to watch that parade. It means more to Liverpool, and it's it's quite complicated. That it's to do with the identity of the city, of the people, of the club altogether. But I just think I just think we're the best yeah. altogether. We're the best. I, th- I I I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, over a few few things last night, I was kind of the same on the thing of you know people t- people take a real pride in, in going out of Liverpool, and they take on this thing that they are like almost like an ambassador for the city. You know. Every single person I've seen around there, out of all the people who've seen, were just having a good time. They weren't causing no mischief, went up to nothing other than having a good time. And you do the city proud, and I think when Liverpool go somewhere, it's just posh, it's fabulous. You know, I, I went over to Munich um, and I sort of tapped on a little bit of it than what, what, I, what I saw the weekend. Um, it's just like, just filled you just with pure pride that I was lucky enough to be born in Liverpool. You know what I mean? It's, it's, my dad tells about Rome. And, and all these big games you went to and partied and, and all these and I felt like I've I've touched on a bit of that and you know over the next few days I'll just be like just feel, keep filling my mind with just like real really 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 nice stuff and people smile and having a good time so yeah boss I think the other thing on that as well is when you when you get to experience something like this it does remind you just what a juggernaut this football club is it's absolutely huge Dan mentions 50,000 there I've seen reports today suggesting it was over to 90,000. Now, whether that's exaggerated or not, I'm not too sure, but what I do know is you could not move for Liverpool fans. We took over Madrid, it was a sea of red, and whether you were in the, the ground or not, uh, and I was one of those that didn't have a ticket and didn't manage to get in, there was still a sense of purpose that you, you had to be there. That was, that, that was the big thing for me. I wanted to be there, I wanted to enjoy it with like-minded people, I wanted to be in Madrid, Yes, Liverpool looks great, and there's a part of me that thinks it would have been nice to have seen the parade, but just being part of it, just to be able to say you were there, you were around when this football club lifted number six, that's huge. It's absolutely huge. On, a, on Friday, I was just having a drink, getting myself kind of ready, and um, Danny Nicholl phoned me and he said, We've got you on, you're playing tomorrow. And I was like, I did, When I got there, like, yeah, I was never in like, doubt. No, no, when I got there Saturday morning, I walked down through the fan park. And I left my mate, I was with Sean and then I got down, I was like, this looks alright, this looks decent. And then I looked at my watch, we went for something to eat and we were just having a little buzz with Webster and, and John Power and Keir and everyone went for a nice meal and then he said, right, we're, you're on in 45. And when I got back, I went, fucking hell, <laughs> I haven't prepared for this. Um, and again, it's just kind of like, you know, the, I watched the match in basically like a pub like San Quentin, through bars outside. And, <laughs> And just like watched it, and it, that was great. But I just couldn't get my head around every single bit of like emotional like madness I've just been involved in the last couple of days. I've been on this bus, I know usual, probably sick of the bus, but I've had a great time. And I'm loving it. I'm I not, never want it to end. I don't. I don't like really, <laughs> the pace we're going at it might not. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, can't wait to get home. But like you know, I'm not like sitting here going, 
I'm enjoying myself still. It's, but, it's worth touching on something that Timo mentioned there well, about the behaviour of the fans, because it's something that Ian mentioned as well. You, you see a lot of shit, and I think this season has been particularly bad for social media point scoring between opposition supporters. It's been it's been a hellhole at times, to be honest. But the, the the amount of Tottenham fans that I came across in Madrid, you know, obviously they were they, they were massively outnumbered by by Liverpool fans, like because like I say, no one really does it quite like us, but. They were, they were an absolute pleasure to be around. I even spoke to some of them in the service stations on, on the way home after the game, and despite the defeat, they were, all they could say was praise about the Liverpool sports they'd come across, the, the times they'd had there. The fact that they were just in a Champions League final, I think they were they were, they were just blessed to be there, and they, they knew that Liverpool deserved the win. They, they, one of them even said to me that you know he, he, he thought going into the game that Tottenham would be basically robbing Liverpool if, if they were to have got the, won the Champions League over them. So I think it's, it's worth saying that while the Liverpool fans' behaviour was like exemplary, like Timo says, the Tottenham fans were, were, were a pleasure to be around as well. I think that's important to mention because you know, there's been certainly on social media you feel like you're having running battles with, with fans all the time yeah. and it was it was nice to suddenly have conversations with the supporters of the team who actually they recognise what the Liverpool team's about we know we recognise it but we see them all the time but sometimes you get the sense of no one ever gives this Liverpool team credit and that might not mean anything to anyone maybe you can kind of overlook it and stuff but it was nice to have normal football conversations with other supporters who recognise just how good this Liverpool side is and what potentially they could go on and do and you mentioned it there Josh there was a number of Spurs fans who said, you know, we were we were made up to be here, and it would have felt probably like taking something away from Liverpool if they got 97 points, played how we played, done what we'd done, Barcelona, etc. And to not have won, it would have felt would have felt extremely cruel. And in the end, we got what we deserved. Right, that's enough praise for Tottenham, who's asked quite frankly, we're the champions <laughs> of Europe. Um, Josh. What, what what strikes me and, and this was the most special moment I think in the aftermath of when we were in that ground was when every single one of them runs towards us um, once they've had the sort of shock and they've dropped to the floor that they've won it every single player at the same time run towards the Liverpool end jumped right in front of the goal mere yards they were 10-15 yards from where we were stood the connection that we have with them is so special in it because you know that that Istanbul team in 2005 are our heroes and will be forever, quite rightly. And there are loads of Liverpool players that I've loved since. So there's, you know, Gerard Suarez, Torres, whoever else. But this collective, along with the manager, is so unique. They all buy into not just the fact that they want to win games of footy and have a laugh with us, and they do want to do that, but also what it means to be part of the club. Uh, and that's often a cliche. And 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 I think in the past. The, the, the club has, has tried to use that as a way of you know selling things or whatever but it's genuine now the fan park is a sign of that and that they put that event on they basically say to the fans run this make sure everyone else has a great time but also when they're all coming over to us they're not looking for the families right away they're not looking to hug each other right away they're coming straight to us because they want to be a part of it with us they understand what it means to be not just a Liverpool player but a representative of the city Timo referred to us going to Madrid as ambassadors for the city of Liverpool before so with these players you know the things that Andy Robertson's done for food banks and the trends done for local sports centres and stuff like that they just seem like an absolutely brilliant group of human beings and I'm absolutely made up for all of us on this bus and all of you that are listening to this but I'm also so so delighted for all of those people because they're all fantastic and they've achieved something there that very very few people will ever equal in their lives. Yeah I think it's, it's, it's almost a strange sort of but amazing feeling of pride at the same time that you, you're watching these football players who who are like you know highly paid athletes there just sort of doing their jobs and at, at, at times as, as a football fan you can feel like you have a divine right to be able to see the things that we saw in Madrid to be able to win trophies season in season out and I know there are groups of football fans who feel that way you feel as though for, for some reason they, they deserve these moments but I think back to Kiev last season when you know after the game when the players were on the pitch and all they, all they seemed to want to do was, was come over to us and you know you're seeing Loris Karius apologising I know there's some people who'd, who'd say he felt like he had to I'm, I'm not sure I definitely agree with that but it was at the moment that I saw sort of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain stood on his crutches crying his eyes out Andy Robertson coming over and, and applauding the fans and it was it was just one of them like it was it, it set me off into tears because I because I just felt so so bad for those lads but such a sense of pride as well that we got to that point so to, to have that moment completely flipped on its head this time round and you know I, I cried my eyes out to see well 
pretty much as soon as Divock Origi's goal went in, and then for the following 45 minutes to an hour after that. But but the, the most sort of ugly cry I did was when all the players ran towards us, because it was this weird mixture of like absolute sheer joy, but I was also just pissing myself at the fact that like they were all just doing this big like gallop towards us, and Joel Matip's limbs just absolutely everywhere as he's going mad. And yeah, it was it was just an absolutely amazing moment, and and I, and I hope that the people who who watched that at home got that sense as well. I'm sure they would because I think we all share in in our sort of pride for, for supporting Liverpool, our, our pride and our, our love for this Liverpool team because it's absolutely undeniable. And Timo, there's, there's nothing other than football that brings us to this state. Josh is talking about there being in bits. There's the video with Jordan Henderson and his dad, yeah, yeah. which is absolutely fantastic. So many of the players at various stages are in bits. There's a really good photo as well of Trent where he just has to go and have a sit down in the tunnel. It's that emotional toll that it takes on you, the sheer intensity of it. There's nothing else in your life that makes you feel quite like that, is there? No, no, that's a boxing gap. No, I don't think so. Um, I remember going in 2005 the, when they brought the cup almost with all my mates and, and we ran to town and we stand on St George Plateau almost there. And I couldn't really see them, but all I could see was Jimmy Tiore, like, smiling. Mm. I remember crying then and thinking, you know what, lad? Brilliant. You've had some, like, your boss, you know what I mean? I don't even care. Just look how happy you are and I am. Like, you can't even see me, but I can see you. And then. Them pictures what I've seen of that team on that bus and just like just don't just take it to like another point, don't it? Just like you know, and a massive thing what, what I think it does is parent child, you know what I mean? It's like I saw a scissor with his little lad on the stage and sign is it's daughter and it's like you can see a proper family connection, which we all envy yourself in France yesterday when you see families walking around with the families and not on the on the phones and football does that to like parent child, dad, son, you know. Whoever it is, you just see people just crying together and that's but it's amazing. Ian, just before we end part one, I want to talk about the the bond that we've we've got with them a little bit more because it it struck me yesterday, you know, we were talking about this being you know, Saturday one of the best nights of our lives, the ship as a whole, one of the best periods you you will ever experience. You know, there's nothing better I don't think than getting on a bus to follow your footy team across Europe with people that you genuinely care about, your mates. When we get to to the end of our lives whenever that is and we look back on on the highlights and the things that we enjoyed the most and we think the things that we felt the most the things that you i and everyone listening to this look back on i.e saturday night are also the same as what most is going to look back on and jürgen klopp and alison and everyone who's in the ground and although we're not equal you know you and i and everyone else hasn't had an equal role in liverpool winning this european cup although i will very much state that we have had, considering you know what happened with Barca and everything. We haven't had an equal role though, but we all get the same memory. We all yeah. get the same human experience there. That no matter the difference between us and the fact that you know we'll never probably meet them and have a chat with them and whatever, be able to tell them what it means. But they know, they know that that we all share in this together. And and when it comes to the end, whenever that is, this is really, this is one of the most alive you've ever been. I think the being in this together bit is is really important to me. I saw a, a tweet from Fowler before, and obviously Fowler's played for the club and stuff, he's never won the European Cup, and obviously he's now an ambassador, and he's about to finish that, that kind of piece of work as he goes off to Australia, but he said, just being involved a little bit, just a little bit, meant the world to it, because there is that sense of connection that you probably don't get with any other football club, um, and we've certainly got that with these players, and as someone who's gone for a long time now, I can't think of another side another set of players that I've related to more. Um, I'm of the kind of thought that I don't really get attached to footballers. It's all about the club. The club's the most important thing and the footballers are just lads who play there. They come, they go. But because we know the, or we feel like we know these lads because of all the side stories and you mentioned before Andy Robbo, there's the Jordan Henderson thing. It does feel like you know them. You do feel like there's more of a connection. You can relate to them. And I think I think they get us more importantly and again I think some of that or a lot of that comes down to the manager when he goes out to recruit and to pick players I think the due diligence is a huge piece he wants unbelievable fellas as well as good footballers he wants them to get it he wants them to get what it's like to play for this football club to represent this football club and as Timo said to represent the city and that's a huge thing for me so I think that is something we recognise in the work that he's done during his tenure is the ability to be able to bring in the right group of people, the right individuals who are befitting, quite frankly, to represent this club. And that's what he's done. Right, that is it for part one. We'll be back in a second talking about the match in more detail.
back now for part two on the bus from the Anfield Wrap and we're going to talk about the actual uh, physical game of soccer that took place a little bit, it's hard to remember really that that was a thing in amongst all the favour but uh, some fellas kicked a footy about for a while before we all went mental um, and <laughs> it's weird isn't it, do you remember that part? Um, Craig, it was absolutely terrible as a game of football really, I remember saying at half time to Josh Edgar who was stood next to me, it was like watching two English teams playing the Barclays Asia Trophy final in Hong Kong in July or something rather than like the most elite game of club football that exists I mean it doesn't matter that it was that it was terrible all that matter was the result in Liverpool got the trophy but uh, yeah it was it was hard going as a watch wasn't it it really was it was a like a, it was an excruciating watch really if someone had a camera on me throughout the game which something will never do so don't nobody tweet in um, if someone had a, a camera on me I would have just looked I would have looked horrendous. I would have looked at a shell of a man because um, it was obviously the first goal goes in after what a minute and a half, a minute, um, and suddenly both managers' team talks are just thrown out the window mm-hmm. because it's just a completely different game of football. It's as if we just got we started one 0 up. It was so early, um, and it, from then on, it was just a dog of a game and. You know, Neil was kind of talking me through throughout it. Uh, he's good at doing that, isn't he? He's really good. But then I had to ask him to politely stop telling me what time it was because he was making the time go slower. He kept saying, 65, we're on now, Greg. And I'm like, Neil, stop this immediately. Um, and sort of there were patches throughout the game where Spurs looked threatening without ever really being threatening. Um, like, I'm struggling to think of any opportunities they had in the first half, especially. Second half... Um, there was a, you know, Alisson had to make quite a number of saves, but um, minus maybe the one chance for Ali, I think it is, um, from the header. That was the one where I was like, ah, um, and 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 yeah, and it's it, it's it's kind of a hard game to dissect for a couple of reasons because we watched it from the stands, we haven't watched it uh, fully back, but um, it was just a, a very very strange European Cup final, like you said, it felt like a, it felt like a bit of a friendly. Um, it was the heat and temperature and humidity of a, of a friendly in Hong Kong, yeah. I tell you that, in that stadium, it was the hottest I've ever been. Um, so playing in it, you know, I don't think anyone's spoken about this, and I know we're not allowed to talk about the weather as Liverpool fans, because a lot loves to do anyway, but I am a man that likes the weather. And it was so humid, it was so humid, it was like 30 degree heat, so to play in that, two, two English sides would have been difficult. Um, and and uh, me and you did um, five live, didn't we? Yeah. And the first question they asked us was um, they had Spurs fans on, and the first question they asked was, you know, does it taint it a little bit? Does it take away from it a little bit that you know everyone um, around the UK and, and the world that watched is saying it was a disappointing final to watch? They thought it'd be this great game, this this chaotic game, and and you know we both just sort of laughed and said, well, it was even better that that's yeah. the case because it does not taint that one bit and. You know, there's been far too many times in the past that this Liverpool side have have almost needed the chaos, needed chaos to happen, and or to create the chaos for um, for them to be the winners of the game. But um, it, I just felt it was just a really mature performance. And um, that first goal really does throw you, doesn't it? When the penalty gets given, because obviously no one's expecting any kind of sort of serious chance or anything that early in the game, and. Once it was given, the end sort of, there was a bit of a celebration of it, but I think most people were just stunned. Like, is this really happening? And he's not going to check the video. We've got a pen. We've definitely got a pen in a European Cup final after 31 seconds. All right, I'm on board with it. Let's see what happens. And it just felt like it made the atmosphere really weird, not necessarily in a negative sense, but I think the fact that everyone was so up for it, ready to have a bit of aggression about them, a bit of fight, the fact that we go ahead so early, made it a really strange game you've got a couple of there's a couple of reasons possibly for that uh, and they could all be bullshit but we've suddenly got something to lose yeah a one up we've suddenly got something to lose and that's when you you know you, the, the, the party brain that starts worrying about stuff and gets anxious about stuff starts getting worried and anxious because you're not at nil nil you're not a parity are you and i don't think you either manage it wants a chaos and sometimes you need both teams to engage mm-hmm. uh, unless you're really good and we are really good, but we didn't need to create chaos because we had that lead. Who knows how it would have played out had we not got one. Just one small thing on the penalty. Have you watched the back? Yeah, the penalty the itself? The, the, the actual uh, the execution yeah. of it. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick. Him taking the penalty. It looked like it a goes, really poor pen in the ground. It goes past Loris's head. Well, it, it's it's a mad one. It goes past Loris's head, but he hits it that hard. He hits it so, so hard. He's got no time to, to adjust. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, if you look, if you look at, if you put a pin where it went in in the goal, you go, he's got away with one there. 
but he's it's, it's so you know it, it's in before Lawrence can move but yeah it, it's a bit of a strange one isn't it because it went off and you got like right so what happens now do we sit in yeah. do we wait for to, to Spurs to engage what reference then they just didn't whether they were playing the long game whether they needed time to collect themselves whether that fear the teams have of us and listen this is the myth that Bayern Munich said manager said that Guardiola said it they've all said it there is that worry that if you if you come on to us, you're asking for it. And what I don't think it, I don't think it's any coincidence that when Spurs did start to engage second half, we started to get our chances. Milner had the one that went past the post, which I thought was in by the way from my vantage point. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. The, the move from Manny by the way, when he yeah. kept all of the ball for five minutes yeah. on his own because the game was terrible, and he just thought I'll make it good then. Yeah. I'll just be the best player on the pitch for thirty seconds and try and get a second goal. But I, I think Lawrence thinks it's gone in as well. Mm. You know the way goalies sometimes you get you have that resigned little slump. Yeah. And Lawrence just plants his feet and just whistles past the post. And then of course we do get the second and then and then it's party time. But as a game it was more of a war of attrition yeah. than a football fixture. Um but you know what? None of that matters because it was more of a attrition play that was on our terms because we had the lead. So it's it's take it take it all, put it this way. I'd much rather play fantastic I'd rather have a game like that and win than play fantastically well and end up throwing losers. So it's all it's also worth noting as well, it's really difficult to um, keep a clean sheet in the Champions League final. Yeah. Like, um, I was thinking about this and I was going through them in my head and I think it's 2010 was the last time a team um, uh, Milan had a clean Bayern. sheet. It was Inter Milan, yeah. 2009-2010 uh, season. So that's almost 10 years. Yeah. And for us to go 1-0 up um, so early in the game and, and like if it if it sort of unsettled us as fans then what, what does it do to a player in a Champions League final? Because it's like God, what do we do now? Do you go for it? You don't want to. I think that's a. It's a difficult thing to manage, and I think they managed it really well. And that's where, I think that's that maturity and that character, and you know, loads of talk around club saying mentality, mentality giants and uh, our mentality monsters. Sorry, and and he's completely right that um, in the past, far too many times in the past, we would have seen Liverpool sides collapse, or you know, the the pressure would be too much for them. Not this side. They just sort of managed the game quite well. I thought. There's, there is an argument down that Jürgen, and again, you could never on the chance that you'd never know this, but there's an argument that Jürgen made the game the way it was after we won that up, which there's a massive irony in this considering everyone just thinks of Jürgen as this, you know, a, a the bringer of football. chaos. Yeah, yeah, heavy metal football and all that. And if that is or was a deliberate thing, well, that flies in the face of everything that you think you know and shows once again. And I, I think it does us a favour that people regard Jürgen as this chaotic manager. I think Mourinho's referenced it before, uh, quite bitterly actually. I think he said, well, he's not, how, how is he world-class manager? He hasn't won anything. He's a motivator. You know, this motivator tag that he has. And if he's done that deliberately, well, fair play to him, but long, long may they underestimate him. Ian, I want to talk about the goal scorer um, because it's it's such a um, cathartic moment after last year, after the heartache, after the tears on the pitch when he goes off injured. and. We're, we're sort of done from that moment. I think the heads drop in the stands in Kiev. I think the heads drop on the pitch. Adam Lallana comes on and he's a talented footballer, but obviously no one believes he's capable of doing the things that Mohamed Salah does. So for him to arrive on that stage again and so early on put his stamp on it, so early, so early um, exercise those demons was brilliant. And to see his, his, his celebration back afterwards and stuff, I was, I was so overjoyed for him as a man because he's been... Probably the most incredible footballer I've, I've seen play for Liverpool, certainly in the short amount of time that he's been here. And he deserves he deserves that moment, he deserves his name on that score sheet in the history books forever. I think if you probably asked a group of Liverpool fans who they wanted to score the first goal, many would have said Mohamed Salah. Because of what happened to him against Madrid and the, and the way it all ended, he had a brilliant season and for it to end like that was 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 a huge blow for him and for us and it was great to see him score the pen in a real it's a pressure moment that I mean to come so early as well he's barely touched the football and he has to take the penalty I don't think it's a great pen but it goes in so he was asked um, in terms of the in terms of the game itself I mean it, it reminded me very much of Juve Milan in terms of a, a contest going back to about three it was it wasn't great as a spectacle but Postacino you know, says at the end of the game cup finals are all about winning that's all it's about and that's what Liverpool do they win the game and I think Without being great, I probably, I think maybe Liverpool just do deserve a little bit more credit than maybe what some have given, um, certainly the wider media. I felt watching it at the time that Spurs were actually doing pretty well in part of the first half, but then you realise they don't have a shot on target until 73. 
And the game itself was not great. You know, Liverpool aren't stringing passes together, neither the Spurs. Um, I saw, a, I think, something by Jonathan Lou this morning where he referenced the fact that the ball was on a play for, for 40 minutes, which is pretty high. So, yeah. as a spectacle, not great. But it, you just keep coming back to the fact that none of that mattered. All that mattered was that Liverpool took that big, shiny thing home. And that's what we do. Craig, did you ever doubt it then? So, it's 1-0. It's it's not a great game of footy. <coughs> Tottenham aren't doing an awful lot. They've got quite a bit of the football, but they're not getting in and around the box. At any stage, from when Liverpool are 1-0 up, did you think, these are going to score here? Or did you think, this might go to extra time and we're going to have to go again? Or were you totally believing the mentality giants? Because they have taught us over the course of the season that just when you think they're done is when they go again, is when they prove how good they are. I, I pro, there wasn't a moment where I was thinking, there wasn't a moment that I was thinking, and this is easy now in hindsight, but there wasn't a moment I was thinking, oh God, you know, I can see a goal coming in the next ten. It really looks like they're, they, 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 they were sort of, they were, there was the build-up play, but they were never building on that final. There was nothing in that final sort of, you know, around the box. There was yeah. nothing suggest that they would in that first half, especially. I think just because the stakes are so high in a European Cup final, as a fan, I don't know whether this is just me, but as a fan, you're just worried. Yeah. You're stressing. Um, there weren't that many alarms going off the way. No, there weren't. But then it gets into like, like that red zone where you're like, no, shit, there, shit, shit. no, there weren't. But then you know, you remember being one-one in Kiev, and you remember the elation of being back in the game one-one, and then and then it's taken away from you, and you you remember that feeling, and so that's that's in the back of your head. What well, if this one's taken away from me again? Anything can happen in a game of football. You know, Son could score one out of nothing, or you know that one where he's running past Van Dijk, he almost had it, and I think. It, little moments like that but it, looking back on the game like, there was nothing really sort of tangible for Spurs to sort of hang their hat on as to say that you know they batted down the hatches and they put us under real pressure like you know there were saves from Alisson but then you know there's saves that we've seen him make all season and um, I thought he was uh, uh, maybe we got on to this but I thought he was our best player in terms of uh, maybe that's half because what we had before in, in yeah. terms of going to Kiev the keeper that we had in that stand and what we have now but um, with him, I just felt so calm. I think that does play into the conversation what you've mentioned there about Carius and obviously this year with Alisson. I think he does make some good saves. What I would say is a goalkeeper of that quality, and he is undoubtedly one of the best in the world. I would expect him to make pretty much all of those saves. I think what was really good about him was that he was so front foot at times, and there were opportunities where Spurs had a chance to get in behind, but because the keeper was off his line so quickly. And there was a couple in particular where he just takes them so nonchalantly, you think that's easy. Yeah. But actually, it's not that easy. We've seen keepers make mistakes, and obviously, you know, they've resulted in goals in the past because maybe the concentration levels haven't quite been there. He's absolutely elite at that part of the game. And I thought, when he takes all the pressure off, what Dan mentioned before, and you, you mentioned about best plays and stuff, I think Mane was. was Brilliant. The video this is going to be great. I oh, I know. I we're think... in the dark. Yeah, if you're watching <laughs> on YouTube, apologies for that. Um, we're just going to stick on the goalkeeper for a minute, Owen, because I know you're going to want to talk about him. But for me, in terms of outfield performances, Liverpool, I don't think played that much better, really, than Kiev. So they've come away with the trophy this time. They obviously played a better team in Kiev and Real Madrid. I don't think Liverpool play an awful lot better. No. The difference for me is the goalkeeper. That's the change. That's why Liverpool win a final this year that he lost last season. That's the change. But and it's not the saves, it's the calmness he exudes throughout. Nobody on the pitch, no one in the stand ever thinks there's an issue because there's loads of high balls going in there, second half, that he's just claiming like it's the easiest thing in the world. And his aura, his demeanour, for me, was a massive part of Liverpool coming home with the Champions League trophy. Well, you know what, it's twofold this, and I know he played in Kiev, but let me extrapolate the point. I think it's a combination of Van Dijk, uh, just to quickly reference what Craig was saying there on the song thing, if you could encapsulate what Jürgen, what Jürgen, what Veg Van Dijk brings to this team, it's the one second where you think for the first time all year someone's done Van Dijk and it just puts his foot down like an accelerator on a really, really expensive car and then it's suddenly gone. Um, someone who knows far more about football than I phoned me the day after the final and all he would talk about is Alisson Becker and what he was saying was he said, look, said the best goalkeepers allow so much they do so much more than keep goals in so much as the you can play deeper but at the same time you can play a higher line because the defender you can give you basically the, the what he was trying to I'm expressing this poorly is that he takes so much pressure off the defenders 
where they haven't got to worry about what the fella behind them's doing. Exactly, yeah. Because they just know he's going to do the job, and if you need to bail them out, he'll bail them out as well. You can just see the, the, the calmness he exudes, and this spawn out of the mistake he made at Leicester. Two minutes after they made the mistake at Leicester, there was a ball into feet in the box under pressure, just gets rid of it. Yeah. Unflappable. And the best goalkeepers in those situations are decisive, aggressive, and unflappable. And he's all of those three. That little run in the second half where they had two shots, the long range shot, yeah. get it pushed out. And the chance for Mora afterwards. And the one for Mora. Now look, as Ian's right, their saviour should be. But in those high pressure situations, there's a lot of goalkeepers either don't get the ball far out enough or on the return shot, retain the ball and smother it. I don't think it's any coincidence that handball actually runs in the family. You know, he's always his cameras going up and he's handling. But I think also his attitude. He just looks like. What I'd say to you is, Simon Mignolet, I think, is slightly taller than Alison Becker. But if you, if I said to you, which one fills the goal more? Alison Becker's a bigger man. Do you know what I mean? He's got more presence as a man. No, but, but how, how, do you, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you measure that? What is it? What is it? He looks like the difference. I, you were absolutely spot on. We played no better than what we did in Kiev last year. Um, and when we equalised in Kiev, I think it's just gone so quickly and taken away from us. But the foundations that this side built on are much stronger, which allows you to gain points when you are at your best. How many times in the past is this football club, and I know I'm going over time here, where if we didn't play well, we wouldn't win. To win, we had to play, even the Jürgen club, to play well, to win, we had to play well. Look at how many, in, look how many decisive moments, not just the goalkeeper, right through the team, how many decisive moments over the course of the season have come when we've not played particularly well, and we've delivered in big moments. There's the difference. Right, just before we finish part two, then we've got to Sorry talk. For going on. Don't worry about it, it's great. Uh, we've got to talk about the second goal, Craig. It's yeah. the winner. It's the most important goal that any of us have ever seen. Um, it's. Well, you know what struck me about it most was I thought he was poor when he came on Origi, and I was really looking forward to him coming on from half time, really. I wanted to see him because. Firmino looked really injured, looked yeah. really tired, he couldn't get into the game at all and that's no fault of his own. Yeah. Um, the manager's taking a risk on him, totally understand why, I would have done the same thing, yeah. everyone would have. Definitely. It didn't work, uh, I was looking forward to Rigi because he'd be more direct, he'd have a physical presence. When he came on he, he looked lively but his, his passing was really poor, there was a couple of 2 on ones where he just couldn't play it right and you were thinking well this hasn't really worked and maybe, maybe if they were to score we'd need another attack and change for extra time or whatever. And then suddenly that ball drops in the box after the matter pass. And before he hits it, there's no one else that plays for Liverpool. And arguably has ever played for Liverpool, quite frankly, that I'd rather that ball drop to. Not in terms of who I want to score the goal, but genuinely in terms of who I back to score the goal. Because he's proven over the course of this season that he's the man for the moment. Always. He's the man who will do the improbable. And also he's a great finisher. So in, in that moment there, I've got full confidence in him. He backs himself, I back him, we all back him. And it goes in. And those few moments afterwards. Oh, it was, it was Bedlam. Well, um, I think he's, I think uh, coming into this final, you're exactly right. We, you go with Firmino, you have to. Um, he, he's been vital to everything that's been good about Jurgen Klopp's side. But David Garigi was this, this wild card sort of cult hero coming into this game who can just do these things, who can be part of these big moments and, and you know, Everton, obviously, Newcastle to keep us uh, going into the last game of the season, um, Barcelona, two goals in the semi-final uh, of a European Cup uh, and then and then the, the goal that secures the European Cup for Liverpool and, you know, the, the, the debate around over the, the past 10 years is, is someone like Luis Suarez a legend, is someone like Fernando Torres a legend? They don't, they don't win anything of, of real note. Um, scores loads of goals. Still Garigi, a club legend. Me and you spoke about this yesterday. The things he's done, you know, are are things that some of the best footballers ever to have walked this planet have never done uh, within world, world football. And and he's provided us with possibly the biggest moment of our of our lives. And he's provided us with some of the uh, the most enjoyable moments. Obviously, the Merseyside derby, but the, that goal is just everything you want as a football fan in a European Cup final. 
the goal that secures it, it gives you that big let off. It, it means that the last ten minutes you can enjoy. Can't be shot behind the goal, by the way. You can, oh my word! Watch it. it. The beat, the BT no filter. Where um, it, it's behind Origi as he hits it and he celebrates, and it's Bedlam. They're crawling over each other and climbing over their mates and hugging and crying and and screaming and 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 that is what you want in a European Cup final. And you know we get the really the really early goal and we and we're buzzing about that, but then we spend the next seventy five minutes or whatever it was, eighty minutes. Um, you know, just nervous wrecks, and then Origi gives us this moment of just um, like it, it was just insane. It was euphoria, and and it was pure bliss. Uh, and I will forever love him for giving us that. Now onto part three of this Champions of Europe and Rap special free podcast uh, live from. Well, it's effectively the Wenger bus, really, if we're all being honest, um, as we make our way back towards Liverpool, creeping ever closer to the French border. Uh, I've now got with me Josh Sexton, Craig Cannon and Sean Walsh to do a bit of a young fellas chat. We did this last year uh, on the way to Kiev. We did it in Rome. We did one in Munich as well, didn't we, I think? Uh, where basically we talk about as our sort of under-30s experience. <laughs> well, basically, we've had to bring Craig Cannon back. Um, even though he's got a mortgage, he still counts vaguely as a young fella. Um, and he's, he's the youngest fellow we've got on this bus to make it up for. Um, so, yeah, we're just basically going to talk about the fact that, you know, this is still a relatively new experience for us. It's the first European Cup win that we've genuinely lived. We were all too young for Istanbul to really experience it properly. Um, and Josh, we've been on holiday there with our mates for a mad week. People that you really love and care about. And we've watched our footy team do the best thing they can ever possibly do. It's just, it's just one of the pinnacles of your life, innit? Yeah, some, some, a few people I've, I've seen tweeting over the last few days have, have sort of summed up best for me in terms of, you know, I think Craig did one after the game where he said about, you know, being stood with all your mates and, and getting to witness that experience. But there's also a few people who were like thanking their dads and stuff like that for, for making them reds. And I, and I sort of think that's that's a really important thing in all this because we've, we've all had this passed down onto us by, by, you know, our dads and our granddads and our parents. We've been we've been past this almost mantle of, of supporting Liverpool Football Club and, and, you know, being proud of Liverpool Football Club, being proud of, you know, being from the city for you guys, just being proud of the city for, for someone like me who's born outside of it but living in it now and, and, and getting to be a part of that every day is, is something which is mass- massively special to me it's, it's something I hold really close to my heart and I think I think that came across in, in the emotion that I felt after the game that it was just it was an amazing time to be alive this whole weekend has been an amazing time to be alive and this this is a trip this is a football match this is a football team that I will that I will never ever forget just in the same way that you know in the throughout the 80s my dad would have thought about them football teams in the same way and my brother would have thought about that in Istanbul I'm, I'm now getting to live this for myself and, and I wouldn't change it for the world Craig um, often on sort of like momentous things that that happen in my life or things around my life I think about all the sort of butterfly effect things that have led me to it like all the little tiny decisions you know that have, have led you to that moment so Josh talks about the not actually being born in Liverpool, but the fact that his dad is a Liverpool supporter makes him a Liverpool supporter. Um, but there's also, you know, you've moved to Liverpool, you've taken a risk, you've moved from, from Belfast to Newcastle and into Liverpool. All the little things, all the little choices that we've made in our lives um, have led us to this right now where we're sat on this bus doing this podcast together as mates. Yeah. And it's so mad to comprehend that. I think <laughs> that, that, that this is where we've got You're to. Make it. Me cry again, <laughs> it's the best thing possible. Like, I, like, I genuinely, I'm sat here now thinking I wouldn't change any tiny thing about my life ever because it might mean that I'm not here right now doing this. No, and even even the devastation of last year. There's the one that I keep thinking about is how how awful it felt coming out of the stadium. And do you know what? Even to be honest. How awful I felt coming out of the stadium at the new camp in the semi-final first leg, yeah. which uh, sounds silly now, <laughs> but at the time I was just like, I was heartbroken, and it was the same after Kia because I fully believed it. And all of these little moments make this one even sweeter. And I think um, you're thinking about the butterfly sort of effect leading up to this moment. I'm thinking of the butterfly effect from here on in, and I'm thinking about what happens next. And I, I honestly see, I, I saw that game as one of the most pivotal uh, in. in one of the most pivotal in our history, really, in terms of what happens next, because we have, you know, we have, we have, we now have our own Shankly, our own Paisley, don't we? But there, there was always this little niggle and worry with me that, you know, what if we don't win something with Klopp, and what if we just have, what if we just have the best time we can possibly have supporting this team, but we never get the shiny thing at the end, and that was, that was the little niggle and worry, and the thing that came out of leaving Kiev last year was that. Oh, we had a brilliant time, but you know, we, no, we didn't win. We had a brilliant. This time, we're coming home. We had a great time, but we 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 get to we get to. 
recently we get to do the six fingers thing <laughs> 20 times a day for the next 12 months and still, try, still trying to figure out which finger on the other hand to use I might, I might do a Twitter poll actually because like I, I basically I need to have this sorted by the time I get back to because I, I think James Milner's boxers you know so when, when all the players running towards us James Milner did the index finger so I, rec I reckon I'm going with the index I've finger I've been doing the index finger but Trent then, did the thumb I got thumb, what I mean I did a thumb in a picture and yeah. an index finger in another picture and it's just it's put, <laughs> sent my head west to be honest so because the, the, the thumb to me looks a bit like six and also it's right <laughs> at the same time so I'm a big fan of the thumb um, but yeah but I don't, like I think you're right and I think like there is that communal aspect and, and there is the the the, the thing with me were uh, as soon as there was sort of the noise levels had dipped even slightly within the stadium near the end when people were finally starting to leave about two hours after we'd, <laughs> we'd lifted the trophy like speaking to my dad and, and you know him saying like do you remember watching Istanbul at home and now you're there watching it like live and you know seeing people's pictures put them putting their pictures up with their dad I saw Neil Doggan do it I've seen quite a few uh, back in Liverpool and you know with their sons and that's 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 just a lovely thing isn't it that uh, we all get to share this with new mates and old mates and, and, and family members who have who have made us Liverpool fans I'm so glad that they, 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 as you just said then, like they've got something to show for this now we haven't just been watching this team like enjoying it for the sake of having a nice time they've actually got the medals now to go we were we all lost time and get on this like remember there was a story on the off up ages ago when we were going for the league title and I think it was Rob Gutman said he would he'd give Istanbul for a league title and Gibbo went fuck off that's my one give them fucking 77 or something fuck off and now, <laughs> and now we have our own one we talked so much about it last year ahead of Kiev and obviously it was so disappointing about it without the big shiny thing to show for the journey that we've been on and now we have and it's, for, for, it's not just for our generation but it's something that we will have forever and it's something our grandkids will ask us about the way we ask our granddads and the way our granddads and dads got us in touch with football we all do the same for them boring them about Virgil van Dijk about most of them about Mane and the way we've been asking all, like all the generations this season oh how good is X compared to Y when you were watching footy when you were younger people will ask, be asking us about the corner players then how well how good is he compared to Virgil van Dijk and go oh, he was, he's fucking shit like, he should have seen Virgil honestly he was unbelievable I can't wait to be an eyelash you know <laughs> I know <laughs> uh, we're going to be all the twats in the main stand going these are all shit like, they should have seen it in Madrid we shouldn't disregard Kiev though. Like Kiev is still a part of this journey. I, th I think like you can you can look at it and say like, oh, we didn't win the big shiny thing at the end. But like that that sort of that build up of having the fun and watching that team just sweep us up in that in that sort of feeling. But not win the trophy made it made it all the more sweeter this time. I think because we go we all go again. We're all stood in the stadium again together, just like we were in Kiev. And, and rather than crying, you know, tears of, of despair after it and sort of being so disappointed for that group of players in, in what had transpired in that game it was it was we were crying tears of joy and, and laughing along with the players and dancing along with the players and just having the absolute best time of our lives and, and like you know when when my when my kids and grandkids do come along I'll still tell them about Rome and I'll still tell them about the Etihad away and things like that but then I also get to tell them about Munich away and about Barca at home and, and about those experiences we had throughout that thing and then especially about Madrid and, and they, they will be able to see not just see that like, boss away and then Manchester they'll see also I've been thinking as well and before that I, we shouldn't disregard the fact that the older lads now have two so yeah. like you know the, the people that are Neil and Gibbo's age have yeah. two and the lads that are maybe a couple of generations older have All five of yeah. it's six yeah. you know the greedy pricks <laughs> I, I want five and six now I want yeah. I want another one I don't want to I don't want another sort of what 14 years until the next one because God I wouldn't put it past this team to get to another final next year and um, but something that I've been thinking about is that's genuinely lovely about what we get to do and, and and you know the fact that fan media exists now is that we can document these things and, and, and not just us, I mean fans in general using social media to um, post their, their videos and their pictures and everything. Like we can we can now see a whole different side uh, to things as to what you would have seen in Istanbul and even you know further back than that. I, what I loved was um, you know, being able to see Alex Oxley Chamberlain bouncing around with the players in the, in the change rooms with his phone singing LALA, see the videos from the players' party, see them posting from the bus and all of that. Because I, um, I felt as if I was sort of there. And, you know, we, we often say with the Anfield Rap, the idea of us is to share the experience of Sport Liverpool rather than just tell you what happened in the game. And um, I think it's great that we get to do this and be able to look back on that as well and look back on all of these, like, you know, the Road to Madrid talk that we did where you you're going through that was it was lovely to put together and lovely to, to watch through our edit because 
um, it was just funny sort of seeing our reactions to, to these things happening and that'll be a lovely thing to keep hold of KFC only feels a part of this trip I think Josh because I'm not sure any longer that we actually got off the bus between Kiev and this bus to be honest I think we might have just been at service stations for 12 months like I've been to games of footy I think in between but I might have just watched them on my phone in here maybe <laughs> I, I, I think about a month ago we were in Jupiter's in, in town, that I seems, can't believe he started that the seems Jupiter's. like so long ago <laughs> but, on, honestly when I walked in and seen, seen a little uh, vending machine for Mint Imperials in the corner I was just like what sort of gaff we walked into here but, but yeah that's, that's, as, as I say that was about 10 years ago now so uh, that's, that's almost forgotten but no it's, it's, it's been it's been an, another amazing trip it's, it's another one of them that you wouldn't change for the world and you know it, it's that's a really sort of crucial point that Craig made there I think in terms of what, what we try and do at the Anfield Rap is that we want to share the experience of, of, of being able to go to Madrid where so many people are you know unfortunately can't but what I also love is that the players are, are almost doing the same for us if that makes sense not necessarily sharing the experience of being a Liverpool player but they, they share their experiences with us in terms of documenting what's going on at the players party and social media and, and sort of sharing sharing all the celebrations in the dressing room after and stuff they they want us to be a part of this just as much as we want people who can't go to the game to be a part of going to the game and, and I think that's that's just a sort of lovely little chain of events of, of, of being a Liverpool fan and it, and it makes us all feel as, as one as well we were talking in the first part about the about the way they connect to these players, but it feels like everything at Liverpool Football Club now is, is just you know really well connected. Everything's joined up, all the thinking's joined up, but all the emotion has joined up as well. And, and there's honestly, in my lifetime, there's never been a better time to be a part of this. Oh, I, I, sorry, just um, last thing on that is also the, the I, I said this in Talking Reds, but I want to say it again is that I've loved watching uh, like different fans' experiences all over the world. So the, the videos of within the pubs whenever the Rage Eagle goes in. can't remember if it's New York or it's Australia, but I've watched them all and I love that. And I love the uh, BT Sports, uh, No Filter, and being able to watch that back. And they were filming uh, the Yago Arena in Liverpool and it going off. You were filming, uh, I, I saw a video from the Sandin in Liverpool. You were filming somewhere else. There, there was just, you, you were just able to see everyone's different collective experiences all happening at the same time around the world. Um, no, at the same moment around the world, with different time zones and, and different settings, and and that was that was lovely because I don't I don't ever remember sort of seeing that around Istanbul because there wasn't the you know there wasn't the phones there wasn't social media, um, but yeah. There's a video from I think a Salah's hometown in in Egypt, Egypt as well, it's yeah. Unbelievable. I remember when, when Chelsea won the, the Champions League in 2012. When Matter said the best thing about it for him was seeing. Not, obviously all the Chelsea fans have an amazing time and he personally had great like he's got a Champions League winner's medal but seeing did the Edgewood players a lot from from Ivory Coast at Michael Essien's playing for Ghana you know, he's got a lot from Jeff Butler in goal some English lads playing in, in defence seeing all these people from all different, around the world different cultures different countries coming together for this one purpose to share between them and the people in the stands and the people around the world at home so it doesn't matter where you are everyone got that same the same boys you know I mean? from Egypt to somewhere in, in town and even, it's about the same response and even that. for us as well because obviously we've not got back in time for the victory period I think we're probably going to be three days late for it but um, like we were able just to sort of live that through everyone else that was there and it sort of worked in those two ways of the people you know there were some that were lucky enough to get flights immediately after the game and get back for both and experience both of it for us so we were at the game that we were lucky but then we got to watch everyone at the victory period and their videos and them up and the and that's you know that was that was great what, what I think is also brilliant as well is that the vast majority of people in whatever sense they've experienced this have got something physical to take away from it so Sean mentioned before that the players have got their medal so no matter what because the trophy ends up going back to your for doesn't it unless you win it three times in a row or, or five times overall so the club will have a replica the players will get I think they get a mini replica as well each but they'll have that medal and they'll have it wherever they put it um, if it was me I would never take it off um, they might put it in a bag in the loft or something and they'll get it out once every five years and have a look at it. They've always got this physical thing. But so have we. We've got photographs of us in the grounds. We've got photographs of us in Bilbao and Bordeaux and whatever else we've got. We, on the way out, we bought programmes and we've got scarves as well, things that you can physically look at and, and can take you back to that exact feeling, things that you can touch and look at and feel. And so, so is everyone else. Everyone who went to that parade, I'm sure loads of them have picked up one little bit of confetti. Yeah. I would have, and they'll take it home. Or someone will have this boss photograph where everything just lines up right and the lighting's right in the background and they've got, you know, their lad on his dad's shoulders or whatever and, and, and the big brother's next to them and the players are in the background. Everyone's got a thing from this where they can look at it or they can touch it or they can listen to it, whatever it might be. And it'll take them right back to what it feels like because over time, the feeling will wear off. 
Liverpool will, will at some stage in the next few years go through a, a phase where they're not very good. They might just lose three matches in a row or something like that. So the exhilaration will gradually diminish. It'll last for a long time still, I think, but it will diminish. But we can always go back to it, no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on with Liverpool, no matter what, what, no matter what is going on in your personal life or your work life or whatever else, you can just close your eyes and think of it. Or you can pick up this scarf, this programme, you can look at this set of photographs, you can watch this video of the parade, you can watch this video of Egypt, whatever. Whatever means the most to you of all the things that happen, Josh. You can go back to and you can feel it again and you've always got that in your back pocket and, and no one and nothing can ever take that feeling away. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, it's interesting in the sort of build up to the game when you saw the amount the amount of tickets were going for and, and you know I was I was lucky enough that I was one of the people who who paid in the in the sort of lower bracket for, for ticket prices and I remember my mum saying to me she was like, Oh why don't you sell your ticket if they're going for like ten grand and I was like one, it doesn't really work like that, but also, like, I remember walking out the ground and seeing a fellow with a sign saying that he, that he wanted to uh, use tickets for his collection. Like, he's clearly not a lad who'd been to the game. He probably just sort of got there after and maybe does that at a few games around around Madrid games, Atletico games, Real Madrid games, stuff like that. But I, I just thought, like, I want to keep that ticket because I want to be able to cherish that memory forever. I've, I've got a little, a little box in my room of like all the all the ticket stubs and, and the, the actual physical tickets of all the games I've been to, and I've got the one from Munich away this season. I've, I've got the ones from Roma and stuff last season, and and then 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 sort of then tickets. This just piece of paper holds a holds a, a massively you know emotional memory for me now. And like you say, I'll I'll be able to in years time, and I have done with the tickets I've got from from years gone by. Got them out and, and thought back, and, and all the images run through my head again, and I'll remember you know. Salah getting the penalty so early on and scoring it and, and us all falling over and me trying to keep myself upright while Sean was holding me and he'd already fallen over the seat behind and then when Origi scores and I just burst into tears and fell to my knees while everyone around me was going absolutely mad and all them images will, will play through in my mind again and, and even like Craig says there that people sharing their images on social media, you know, I'm going to out him here because, because you know, we, we, we like to do this, but Sam Walker, I our videographer, who's an Arsenal fan, said he went to the parade yesterday because he was filming bits for us and, they, and he said uh, it was so emotional that he felt almost moved to tears and he's just an Arsenal fan. So obviously he's, he's got the, the connection with Liverpool having lived there for so many years, but he does that to you. This, this beautiful thing, this 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 ridiculous sport that we all follow, this leisure activity, it, it brings you to these moments. And you know, I'm I'm going to be walking home with a piece of paper that I, that, I, that I bought for seventy pound, but it's going to be absolutely priceless for me. And Sean, it's not just stuff that we can look back at, back at as well. So when we are grey and old, we can get this box of tickets out, well, and we can yeah. we can go look. This is we want from Barca. This is one from Kiev. We didn't win that one, and you might be telling you know your grandkids or whoever it might be. It could be anyone. But people younger than us, and, and we'll be doing the same thing that people have done to us before. And we say that a lot, but I think it, actually having a European Cup to know that you're going to tell people about and know that you've got physical mementos from sort of takes that to a new level of, of, of reality. It's tangible now. I know what I'm going to tell people. I know what I'm going to show them. I could almost do a presentation tomorrow of what I'm going to say in 60 years' time or whatever to people, um, which, is, which is mad. And it, it, it's... it's it's so strange that like time isn't going to fucking stop for anyone, and we'll have whatever to come following Liverpool. Um, you know, we could go to another, as Craig says, six or seven European Cup finals in our lifetime. They could, they could, <laughs> they could somehow go bust next month, and we never watch them play footy again. There are, there are extremes on this scale here, but no matter what, we've we've got this. We've we've got it, and we're able to tell everyone, anyone who's willing to listen, and even people who probably aren't that willing to listen, quite frankly. <laughs> That, that we did this. And, and we'll be singing about it when we are grey and all, still. People still sing about, you know, I'm saying, people sing about players who won the yeah. Europe Cup in, in 77, 78, 81, whatever. <laughs> in, when, in 30, 40 years time, people will be singing about Alison Becker, about Andy Robertson, about Jeannie Wijnaldum, about all the current players now. People will know the names of these footballers who won this tournament, you know, when, however long ago they, they are born. So when they're going, <laughs> going to matches singing about the current players, people are going to be singing about equivalent to Luke Garcia, I don't know who that would be. I'll wait somewhere, you know, I might get a shout and people are going, <laughs> you hated him when he played for us, why is he going to hold him now? But look at this picture of him on yeah. a hoverboard with his dog. <laughs> <laughs> but when you win this, this, this a European Cup, it defines you, but your whole career, it defines you as a player and as a person. Jamie Carr has been on a, on, a, on a past and said that, like, it doesn't matter what he does, where he goes, what he does next in his career, he's always referred to as Jamie, Jamie Carragher, European Cup winner, on Sky, that's, like, that's how he announced him. That's, and that's all the same players will get the same treatment whenever, whatever they do in, in, in their lives. But it's, as a footballer, as a, as, a, as a pundit, as a presenter, as a commentator, whatever, as someone who wants to just go start up a property business, who wants to do something in the real world, 
they will still be known as, you know, X, one of the people for Just on that note as well, like, um, if the lad who owns the pop-up shop in Allerton Road or the one on Old Swan listens to this, can you please save me a full-size cut-out cardboard of the fucker remake? Because it's going in my front room framed and Rebecca's going to be absolutely fuming about it. <laughs> we haven't got time to do more Divakarigi chat, you know, but to be honest... Promise me this is a we, Divakarigi special. We, we did loads of, like, emotional alpha chat, lad, sorry. Um, we'll do it later on the tour, Daddy. There's one more of them to come. Um, but for now, uh, Sean mentioned there that the Carragher and every footballer that's ever played for Liverpool and won a European Cup gets listed as European Cup winner. Frankly, I'm going to list you three as European Cup winner <laughs> as well for the rest of my life. And all of you that are listening to this, you've been a part of this, whatever you've done, whether you've been going all the games, whether you were at the final, whether you were watching from home and supporting from afar, you're a European Cup winner, you are a champion of Europe. Um, thank you very much for watching this. There'll be loads more uh, on the Anfield apps, tour players, service, it's loads of exclusive podcasts there'll be looks back at the game there'll be emotional chats about what we sort of do from here and the fact that Liverpool are going to go and win loads more of big shiny silver things uh, there are these tour diaries as well that if you haven't been listening to we've just been stopping off in different places on the bus and um, having a chat about what we've been getting up to we think they're really good people seem to like them so if you're into sort of the culture around the game and that sort of thing and you want to know more about what we've been feeling on the way to the match and back make sure to do that there's been a bit of an issue with um, signing up over the weekend subscriptions um, partly because you know everyone should go mad because of the footy and everything but uh, everything's fixed again now so if you do want to subscribe uh, now is genuinely the best time to do it because we're all absolutely delirious about the six times champions of Europe thank you very much for listening up the European Cup winning Reds Sports Social Podcast Network